Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Burna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher, equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Burna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You don't have to dip forever. You know that rhyme. You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Oh, that's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum. Sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Shoes. Go. Put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. 
How did we get Texas? Ever wonder that story? How did Texas come to be? We're going to tell that story today. We're going to talk about, yet again, another example of why they're not worried about coronavirus. All the people, every single one of them who've been all over TV telling you to worry, well, you're not going to believe the new thing out there showing they're not worried at all. Should black votes count twice? Somebody says they should. As you can imagine, I have thoughts on that. And we have yet another coronavirus stimulus bill. It's <laughs> We got Michael Malice today. We got all kinds of great stuff. But allow us to stop in Texas. And that's not just because I reside in Texas. I realize this is a national show. But it occurred to me, I was having a conversation two nights ago, Friday night, with one of my cousins. He lives in the Northeast. Remember, I've lived everywhere. I'm not some native Texan. I just happen to live in the Houston area now. I've lived all over. But my cousin lives in the Northeast. And we, got, we were talking about several things, not necessarily political. And we got on the subject of Texas. And at some point in time, he said to me... <laughs> How did you guys get in the union anyway? You know, they like to give me crap for living in Texas now. I said, well, you know. And he says, actually, no, I don't know. How, how did you get in the union? It occurs to me that some things, some things you take for granted, your level of knowledge. When you live in Texas, you are taught about this battle. You're taught about this conflict and I've only been here like six or seven years. And I, I've had multiple Texans tell me about it. Multiple Texans. And the second you step out of it, people don't know. Well, that's not the end of the world. I don't expect somebody in Connecticut, somebody in Oregon to care necessarily that much about Texas history. That's really a Texas thing. However, Texas is a really, really, really important part of the United States of America. It's like California. We don't like to acknowledge that because California is full-out communist now and destroyed. But these people, and I've made these jokes before about, I wish an earthquake would happen and California would just break off. California is a significant part of America's economy. We really, really need California to wake up is what we need. Texas is the same thing. And this, this process helped bring about the Civil War, too. So let's begin at the beginning. Mexico. At this time, early 1800s, Texas is part of Mexico. Mexico is ruled by Spain. You remember Hernan Cortez, the conquistadors, slapping around the Aztecs, so on and so forth. Why do you think all the Mexicans speak Spanish? It was Spain. They were a colony of Spain. And then a series of bad rulers in Spain, and then a little man by the name of Napoleon, perhaps you've heard of him, pretty much crushed Spanish power worldwide. They were just very, very much a waning empire. And waning empires, presiding over people who are tired of being ruled, tend to have a hard time holding on to that rule. 1821, 
Mexico gets their independence from Spain. That's when Mexico began. That's Mexican, you know, Independence Day, whatever date that was. I don't have it written down. But Mexico has several, several problems. One, the northern part of Mexico, which was now Texas, you need to think about that as Texas, is wild and it is full of Comanche Indians. Obviously, Mexico had other problems, too. All they had was a nobility. They had super, super rich and then super, super poor because of Spanish colonial rule. The people didn't, I mean, they didn't like that, but they don't really, they weren't really understanding of freedom. They adopted our constitution, but then that went away. We'll get to that in a minute. But let's talk about Texas and the Comanche Indians. It is common, very common to think about Indian tribes as small, disjointed, you know, maybe really good guerrilla-type fighters, but not in any way a significant military force because they weren't technologically advanced enough to be that. And oftentimes that th- way of thinking is correct, depending on the tribe and the time period. But that really does not apply to the Comanche Indians. People do not fully grasp how strong the Comanche nation was at one point, especially in Texas slash Oklahoma. Um, the United States Army would not go there unless they were in force. These people, you remember we've talked endlessly about the Mongols, how the Mongols grew up on horseback, great horsemen. The Comanches might be the only people I know of, I'm sure there are others, but might be the only people I know of in the history of the world who could potentially match a Mongol on horseback. They were absurdly good on horseback. They were an absurdly warlike tribe. They were good at it. They loved killing other tribes. They were, uh, I'm a Comanche fan, however, Let's be honest about this. They were absolutely barbarically brutal. Got off on torture, rape, women, children. It was slavery. They were big in the slave trade. And they're one of my favorite tribes. You know, as a boy, you tend to drift towards the warlike tribes. So I grew up. I mean, like I said, we play cowboys and Indians. Half the time I'd be an Indian and be happy about it. But they were mega powerful. Extremely experienced. And this is the northern part of Mexico's newfound nation. When you're a newfound nation, when you're trying to figure out how to govern yourself, one of the things that is critical, absolutely critical, historically, then, now, in the future, this is universal. People expect their government at whatever level, state, local, federal, at whatever level, people expect their government To protect them. That's part of what makes a tribe or a country. I'm agreeing to live with you. He's agreeing to live with me. Neighbors agreeing to live with me. Why are we all agreeing to live together? Well, we have things in common, one. And two, it's safer to live together. And we have a government that will protect us. I don't like that because oftentimes it's the enemy of freedom, as we've seen very recently in the past eight months looking to government for protection. But on a certain level, it is necessary. If our government, if the United States government couldn't properly protect, what's a great way to describe this? China. That was a great example. China. 
if China was, now this is absurd, but just pay it, stay with me for a second. If China was constantly landing amphibious groups, say 100, 200 soldiers at a time, on the beaches of California and storming into a city or town and killing 100 Americans this month. Oh, they did, a, did it again, 250 Americans next month. Oh, look, they did a big one this time, 500. They dropped a couple bombs, planes over. Now, and I'm not talking about one time because people might be understanding of that. Let's say this was happening every single month after month after month for a year, maybe two years. There would be rebellion and major militia movements within the United States of America because the thinking would be, okay, we clearly don't have a legitimate government anymore. They can't protect us, so they're not legitimate. Well, Mexico has a very serious Comanche problem. All right, this new stimulus bill. I can't wait to tell you my thoughts on that. And we'll continue with the creation of Texas. Hang on. Jesse Kelly. Natural medicines, holistic healing approaches, I trust these things. These things are known to alleviate the things that plague us all. And we all have something, right? How are you sleeping at night? How do your joints feel as we get older, and especially now as the weather gets colder? Your anxiety, you have any of that? Look, I see your emails. I know you struggle with it. Well, Doctors Trusted CBD Company, they've been doing natural medicine for over two decades. And they're part of what helped me choose CBD. And what I love so much about them is they went and researched the whole industry. The whole industry. They found the best CBD products, and that's what you find at their website. Products like Be Best Organics. Go to DoctorsTrustedCBD.com. You'll be shocked at how many products they have. DoctorsTrustedCBD.com. Use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 5% off with a free lip balm. Jesse Kelly returns next. It's Jesse Kelly and Chris and I were just talking about the Tet Offensive during the break. That's how distracted we get on this show. He was talking about how we let them travel around the country, remember, during the Tet Offensive. It should be noted if you're just now tuning in the opening of the show, we're actually talking about the creation of Texas today. So forgive us as we sidestep into Vietnam. I'm still going to tell you why... They're not worried about coronavirus, the people who tell you to worry. We're getting to that later on. But remember, during the Tet Offensive, we were letting them travel all over the country. It's a huge holiday. We let them travel all over, and they took advantage of it. And Chris was saying, I mean, on one hand, that's a really dirty move when we let you travel. And on the other, it makes sense. And I'll just simply say, remember, we've talked about this endlessly, especially when we talk about Japan and World War II and the barbaric things they did, Genghis Khan, all these things. 
The East thinks about war differently than the West thinks about war. A lot of the West's philosophies when it comes to war, we take from Christianity. We, we apply moral concepts to it. And you can argue that's right. I mean, you want to be. That, that is what you want to be, right? American troops, we, we accept your prisoners. We will treat them well. We always have, kind of. Other nations, what do you mean you torture and kill our prisoners? Well, to them, they're prisoners. I can do what I want with them. Other people don't obey rules. Anyway, back to the Texas thing. So Mexico has a problem. You have Texas here, and you have these Comanche Indians, and they are a powerful force. They are ruthless, and they're constantly killing and harassing your own citizens who are there. So you don't have many citizens there. People will drift to where it's safe. So if you're in Texas and the Comanche Indians, remember, Mexicans and Indians have a long, 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 rough history as well. Very rough. And so the Mexicans are leaving. They're going down south. Well, you're Mexico. You need this area populated. You're a young country trying to make it. You can't have whole empty sections or someone else is going to take it over. They start advertising. Get this. How times have changed. Mexico starts advertising for immigrants. They want them. They're advertising everywhere. The the Spanish people won't immigrate there. Remember, there's still a pipeline between Spain and Mexico. The Mexican citizens who are there are leaving. Who in their right mind, though, would be crazy enough to move to Texas at this time? Look, I live here, and you know it's my favorite state. I moved here on purpose. I just love the values. I love the food. I love the people. So I'm a Texas fan. The weather here sucks. It is awful. And I mean dreadful. I, I've lived in the Dallas area. I now live in the Houston area. And I don't know which one has worse weather. In Dallas, you can freeze to death in the wintertime occasionally. But if it rains, nobody can drive. And then in the summer, it's still 110. You move down to Houston. Oh, you don't really get much of a winter. But you get 9,000 hurricanes a year. And when it's not hurricaning, it's 200 degrees with 1,000% humidity. It's miserable. Miserable. The weather's dreadful. Okay, so how are we going to get immigrants to an area that's uninhabited? The weather's dreadful. And, oh, remember what I said uninhabited like five seconds ago? Ah, maybe I should put a star on that. It actually is inhabited. It's inhabited by Indians who will absolutely enjoy torturing you and your family to death. Oh, what, you don't want to come? Who would be crazy enough to come to a place like that? Uh, Americans. <laughs> I love this country. We are the best, man. I am, an un- I am an unapologetic American homer. We are the best. Guess who is willing to come to Mexico? Americans. Ah, sure. Oh, what? They have land out there? I understand there are some Indians, there are some risks, but I'm taking my shot. Throw the family in a wagon. They would gather up huge families, would come at once because there's safety in numbers, and they would go out to Texaco, or to Texaco, to Texas and try their shot at it. Remember, Texas is still a state of Mexico at this point in time. And we're going to pause there for a brief moment. I want you to remember something. 
That's what builds America. That kind of risk it for the biscuit mentality, that's what built the United States of America. There are a million and one things you can tell uh, about the story of America. Whatever, however you want to view that story, whatever lens, whatever major events you think define our country, the revolution, the civil war, slavery, World War II, and the greatness, the great American victories there, the economy. However you want to look at America, when I think about the United States of America, you know what I think about? This is just the image that pops up in my head. I think about a family in a covered wagon headed west. To risk everything. To maybe die and have your family die. We're not talking about a man marching off to war here. Not that 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 lacks in bravery. We're talking about the wife and kids are coming along. And we're headed west. And this story may very well end with us starving to death, freezing to death, dying of heat exhaustion, our scalps hanging off an Indian pole. Or this could end up where we make it big. But, honey, we got to risk it. We're Americans. Go West. That's awesome. You should be proud of that. That's awesome. And 20,000 Americans, 20,000, that's a huge number at this time, come into Mexico. Mexico starts to get a little freaked out because, again, how ironic is this? Uh, We have 20,000 new American immigrants. This is Mexico. This is not America. They closed the border. Okay, no no more of this immigration thing. (laughs) How about that? Didn't know this story, did you? Well, life's little irony. Remember there were 20,000 Americans who came here legally? Mexico just closed the border. Now 10,000 came illegally. Americans illegally immigrating to Mexico. Take that. (laughs) Now we have reached the year 1833. Mexico has a constitution right now. It's a shaky country. It's on shaky ground. I can't even describe to you all the internal conflicts right now. I don't have 10 hours on the radio. But a man named Santa Ana gets elected in 1833. And then promptly the next year... Claims dictatorial power and abolishes the Constitution. That's a problem. I'll say the people of Mexico, some loved him, some hated him. It was less of a problem for them. For them. These poor people didn't, they didn't go through the American Revolution. They've been through 18,000 different governments at this point. If you're, if you're a 50-year-old Spanish adult, you've grown up under Spanish rule, the Spanish nobles. Now Mexico gets its independence, but you've got a new ruler every 15 minutes. You have a constitution. You don't have a constitution. This general takes over. Now you have a dictator. Uh, don't, don't discount how blessed you are to have the stability you've had in your life with governments if you're Mexico and you wake up one day, you're some Mexican, and you wake up in your house and you find out Santa Ana just decided he's dictator, you probably shrug your shoulders and go to work. Okay, but let me know when he's dead too or something like that. But Santa Ana is, well, he's known as the Napoleon of the West for a reason, for a lot of reasons. And Santa Ana doesn't really, doesn't really put up with dissent very well. 
How seriously does he take it? I'll tell you that in a second. Plus, should black votes count twice? Hang on. Never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit adoptuskids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time Shiro to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org slash Shiro. A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Oh, boy. It is Medal of Honor Monday today. I love them all. As you know, every Monday we read a Medal of Honor citation. It's the one good thing we do every week on this show, just so these guys can be remembered, their deeds can be remembered, and they're all awesome. I really love today's. We'll get to that. You know what? We'll get to that next hour. I'm going to try to wrap this up here, Chris. I am am struggling. We have been distracted several times. However, we're going to continue. We're talking about how Texas came to be. We still have to talk about the stimulus bill today, too. Gosh, did you see this thing, Chris? All right, Santa Ana, because he's now the dictator, has to make sure he does what every dictator seems to do as soon as they take power. He has to slaughter dissenters. Anybody who steps up. There are different states in Mexico, remember. And some of these states really aren't happy with the dictator. They liked having a constitution. They liked what America did. Anybody who had something to say, Santa Ana would slaughter brutally. Uh, The Americans in Texas had something to say. Now, I shouldn't necessarily call them Americans. They may have been dual citizens, but these guys were Mexican citizens for the most part now. But it was a funny situation. They were Mexican citizens. They acknowledged that they were Mexican citizens and were okay with that. But they always kind of consider themselves to be Americans. And the rest of America considered them to be Americans. Well, there are guys. I mean, yeah, there's Mexicans, but there, there still are guys. They step up and they tell Santa Ana, uh, actually, I'm not going to live in a dictatorship. That's, that's a no for me. Santa Ana thinks he's going to treat this place the same way he's treated other rebellious states, and he's going to go up there and lay down the law. He goes stomping up there. And these Americans are a little different. These Americans, well, these are the ones who purposely moved into Comanche country. 
They're armed to the teeth because we're Americans and don't think for one second you're going to get the step aside and let the army do its thing treatment when you go marching into one of these guys' town. The Mexican army finds out it has a fight on its hands here. They can't drive the Americans out. Now Santa Ana's taking this a lot more seriously and he gathers together an army. An army is probably putting it nicely. Santa Ana's army was, you know, significant in size for the time, but they still didn't have the money they needed. They didn't have everything they needed for a cohesive country. So he starts breaking people out of jail and putting them in uniform. He takes Indians, Mexican Indians, who don't even speak Spanish, and forcing them in uniform. He, he can't pay for this thing. Wars are expensive. So he's, he's taking the money as a quote-unquote quote loan from the rich people in Mexico at gunpoint to pay for it. It is a bit of a ragtag affair. But they go marching up into Texas because they're planning on driving out these Americans. They want them gone. You know the story well. I'm not going to go over it today, although I've never done it on the show. Shockingly, I'll do it one of these days. The story of the Alamo. That's not what this is about today. Where over 100 Texans get trapped, San Antonio area, by 5,000 Mexicans. Hold out for 13 days. They all die. Remember, Santa Ana wasn't about taking prisoners. A lot of those guys in the Alamo were bayoneted to death. Then there was something else called the Goliad, where there were a bunch of Texas prisoners. And again, Santa Ana, he operated under a different standard of warfare, a different rule of warfare. He took these, what he, what he considered to be rebellious Mexicans, remember how harshly rebellions are treated throughout the history of the world, and he shot them and bayoneted them, wounded ones in the hospitals. He lined them up and marched them down. It was a really, really, really terrible affair. And enough of them escaped that this word starts getting around. And by this point, Texas has set, it up, has set up their own government. I want to be clear about this. They've not only rebelled, you know, we don't like the dictatorship. They've set up the Republic of Texas. They have, they have their own government now. Uh, we're not part of America. We're not part of Texas either. But again, remember I talked about the affinity Americans still had for Texas and Texans. They still do. Well, we had militia guys coming in. Again, Davy Crockett was from Tennessee from all over the all over the country to come in and fight with these Texans. Screw Mexico. They can't push our guys around. They can't do that. It's really it's an inspiring story. They slaughter our guys at San Antonio, at, at the Alamo. And then Santa Ana, who knows he outnumbers Sam Houston, who's leading this affair. He outnumbers Sam Houston and his Texas Army significantly. He starts marching towards him. Well, Sam Houston is still recruiting guys to his cause. He needs more guys. He needs more time to train the guys he has. So he doesn't engage with Santa Ana. He's retreating, but in an organized fashion. He's not necessarily retreating. He's moving away as he picks up resources, picks up men, picks up weapons. We get to a point where Sam Houston has 783 men. Santa Ana personally breaks off from his force 
with roughly 1,000 Mexicans and goes after Sam Houston. They run into each other kind of accidentally and have a little skirmish where they're aware each other are there. Then they break away. Santa Ana, though, knows he not only outnumbers the Texans 1,000 to 783, he knows he has plenty of reinforcements laying around. He also knows something else. Because of the way that skirmish went and the area the Texans had to break off, the Texans are trapped. They're trapped between two big rivers they can't cross. The only way out is through the Mexican army that outnumbers them. And Santa Ana knows. He knows this for a fact. He has time. The Texans do not. Texans are going to run out of food and water. And that said, they probably can't take the amount of Mexicans who are already there. Oh, but wait, it somehow gets worse. Santa Ana gets his reinforcements the next day with an extra 500 men. He now outnumbers the Texans two to one. And this is not an era of repeating rifles. When you outnumber somebody two to one, it's an important, important thing. Santa Ana knows these Americans now are dead. And I want you to understand something as an American living in the era of 2020. What is about to happen here is the reason Texas is not Mexico today. Now, you may not be a Texan. Most of you probably aren't. Again, the show's national now. But that is a big deal. That is a big Look at a map of the United States of America right now. Imagine if Mexico owned Texas. Think of the resources the United States of America doesn't have. Look at that gigantic border in the Gulf of Mexico. All that shipping coming in and out of the country. Think about that. Think about that. Think about the oil wealth. The jobs, the everything. It's gone if things go the way they look like they're going to go here, well, in the next day. Santa Ana wakes up. He's got 1,500 men. The Texans have 783 men, and it's over, right? Well, sometimes, sometimes you can get just a little too cocky for your own good, can't you? Santa Ana makes a call. Not a very good call, historically, obviously, but he makes a call. One that will redefine the United States of America to this day. What's he do? I'll tell you in one second. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. 
Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Oh, boy. They're removing a statue of Robert E. Lee. And some girl froze her eggs for a prisoner. Yes, it's more than just stimulus bill and should black people vote twice today. It's going to be a sweet Monday. All right, Chris, I've got to wrap up this story here. We're talking about how Texas came to be. What? I'm trying. I'm trying to wrap it up. I understand we have a lot of stories to get to. We're giving people context, man. Context. We are in Texas, which is actually a state of Mexico at the time. The Texans are outnumbered two to one. Santa Ana knows where the Texans are. The Texans are trapped. There is no way they can escape. Santa Ana decides to take a day. One of the all-time military blunders of all time. And I know what you're saying, Jesse. Take a day to do what? No, no. I just mean take a day. Like, take a day off. They decided they had the Texans right where they wanted them. The Texans were trapped. The Texans were outnumbered two to one. Why don't, why don't we take a nap? They had women there. They had alcohol there. Blind, drunk, napping, relaxing. What's the rush? We'll slaughter these dirty Texans tomorrow and take care of this little rebellion. We fail sometimes, oftentimes, I do, you do, to properly assess the mentality and motivation of our opponents. I've warned you against this a thousand times because I have to warn myself against this. We see this today with the left all the time, and you make this mistake. You know you do. I do. And I have to catch myself. Because leftist ideas are insane. They're insane. They're historically illiterate. Uh, You can make the argument they're flat-out evil sometimes. Because of all these things, it's easy to fall into the trap of they're stupid. They're just dumb, weak idiots. Obviously, some of them are. But that that is a simpleton's take on your opponent's. Stop and properly analyze what you're facing. What Santa Ana should have realized is this. One, this is not a ragtag group of unarmed Mexican civilians like the ones you've been slaughtering. Two, this is an army consisting of either A, native Texans who purposely moved to one of the most dangerous areas of North America, or B, even possibly more insane, people who came from other parts of America just for a chance to fight. 
People who were under no danger whatsoever personally decided, I'm going to go kill some Mexicans and just went to Texas. These are not the type of men you decide you're going to give a day to while you have a siesta. You see, while Santa Ana was busy lounging and getting hammer-housed with all of his 1,500 men, the Texans were busy sharpening their bayonets, cleaning their weapons, and fully acknowledging we are going to die tomorrow. I'm going to take some Mexicans with me. That was the way of thinking at the time. They decide we're not waiting around for anything. Let's go get them and get this thing on. The Texans cross a bridge. The bridge is the only way the Americans can get out of this immediate era area. However, it's also the only thing the Mexicans can use to reinforce themselves. The Americans destroy the bridge. Now it's all or nothing. I, I can't clarify this enough. I want you to picture this area like an island. And there's one bridge from the major land onto the island. The Americans are outnumbered two to one and they burnt the bridge. The bridge is gone. We're all going to die here. And they're facing an army they know routinely kills prisoners. Remember the Goliad and the Alamo. The Americans decide they're going to creep as close to the Mexicans as humanly possible and charge them. Take the fight to them. They start creeping in and creeping in and creeping in. And there aren't any Mexicans stopping them. And there aren't any Mexicans spotting them. Santa Ana, the Napoleon of the West, which is an embarrassing joke. That, that is, when I say Napoleon of the West, please understand this. I'm being tongue-in-cheek. Napoleon may be the finest military commander in history. Santa Ana is not. He didn't even post a fire watch. He didn't even post scouts to see somebody coming. The Americans get within 200 yards of the Mexican camp where they're all drunkenly sleeping before a single Mexican even sees them. This is that famous, I know you've heard it a thousand times no matter where you are. Remember the Alamo? That wasn't said at the Alamo. That was said right here. And actually there was a, there was a line that went with it as well. Remember the Goliad. They remembered those two things. They were severely angry about the slaughter of their prisoners. In their mind, that was wrong. And they charged. And the Mexicans, remember, we're not dealing with elite troops here. These were the derelicts. These were Indians who didn't even speak Spanish. Well, it didn't go well for them. I'll, I'll wrap this up quickly, and we have a lot to get to today, including hmm, little hypocrisy. What a shock. Hang on. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. 
Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. The Texans charged the Mexicans and they slaughtered them in 18 minutes. 18 minutes. The Mexican army ran in panic. The ones who weren't gunned down were getting bayoneted. The battle may have been over in 18 minutes. Uh, The killing was not. The Texans very much remembered the Alamo. They remembered the Goliad. They slaughtered Mexicans for another hour. Hour. They slaughtered half the army. The other half they took prisoner. They did not take Santa Ana. He escaped like a coward and dressed himself like a private. The Texans eventually tracked him down. And he was getting taken prisoner as a private until one of the other Mexican soldiers called him El Presidente. And the Texans found out who they had. So what happened after that? I mean, you have in your possession the man who led the Mexican army, presided over the slaughter of Texans. What do you do with this man? I'll tell you what they did, and then we'll get to some hypocrisy and black people voting twice. Hang on. Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Oh boy. I love this. I love. It's not that I love exposing hypocrisy of the coronavirus panic porn people. It's not that I love exposing because we're all hypocrites on some level, aren't we? All of us. But I do love exposing something else about them. It's going to give me great joy. Give me just 30 seconds here to wrap up this story. The Battle of San Jacinto today. We held Santa Ana in our hands Many people wanted to kill him, understandably, because of how he conducted himself. We instead decided to hang on to him, forced him to sign a treaty, giving the United States of America Texas. Oh, wait. No, it it wasn't. It wasn't quite the United States of America's yet. Here was the complicated problem. It made the Republic of Texas separate from Mexico, but Texas wasn't part of the United States of America yet. They wanted to be. They wanted to be right off the bat. 
They asked Congress, hey, uh, would you mind? Look at what we just earned you here. We're going to go ahead and step in. America had other problems and other concerns. America was in the middle of a slavery debate, which was obviously going to boil over into the Civil War here shortly. And the Northern congressman did not want another Southern state to join the Union, which they thought would tip the balance to the pro-slavery states. So they wouldn't let him go. They wouldn't let Texas go to the United States of America for another nine years. (laughs) So at one point, yes, Texas was its own country for about a decade now. And now you know the story of Texas and how it came to be. And wow, did I gloss over a whole lot of that story as I have to do because I don't have nine hours to do a history podcast Every single day on the nationally syndicated Jesse Kelly show, Chris, growing like wildfire like we always knew it would. <laughs> I'm kidding. I had no idea. Now, I want you to listen to Dr. Deborah Burks. You remember Dr. Burks. Her and Dr. Fauci have been really the face of the coronavirus pandemic response, right? You saw all those press conferences, especially early on. Uh, Burks would have her turn and Fauci would get her turn and Fauci would get up and explain how 10 million people were going to die. And Burks would explain, no, it's actually 20 million people were going to die plus an extra trillion. You saw it all. You saw it all. You know exactly who I'm talking about. Do you remember what she said on television right before Thanksgiving? If you don't remember, that's fine. I actually have the audio right here. Rhode Islanders then over Thanksgiving gathered together, took their mask off indoors. They spread the virus. And so really, if you want to have your cases go down, if you want to save your hospitals, if you want to ensure that Rhode Islanders live to get vaccinated, We all together need to change our behaviors, and it won't help if we can continue to gather indoors in our our homes and defy these critical decreased gathering messages. Hmm. Headline from the New York Post. Burks went to Delaware with family on Thanksgiving despite her travel warnings. Wow. White House Coronavirus Response Coordinator was joined by three different generations of the family at one of her vacation properties on Fenwick Island in Delaware on November 27th, just one day after the Thanksgiving holiday. The group, which included her husband, Paige Reffy, a daughter, son-in-law, and two young grandchildren, were from two separate households. Let me explain something to you again. It's not that Dr. Burks is a hypocrite. Yes, she's a hypocrite, but that's not the point of this. It's not. It's not that Nancy Pelosi telling you to wear a mask, stay home, stay safe, and then getting caught in a salon, which was banned at the time with no mask on. It's not that she's a hypocrite. We had a governor here, Beaumont, Texas, or not a governor, mayor, I'm sorry, Beaumont, Texas. Stay out of your salon. I'm closing down salons. Gets busted in a salon. 
Governor of Chicago, or Mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, no more salons, shut this down, gets busted in a salon. Gavin Newsom, I am closing indoor dining, gets busted dining with like 20 people inside, no masks. Example after example. I have more examples here listed in front of me than you could possibly count. I want you to understand this and understand this well. It's not that they're hypocrites. Everyone is a hypocrite. You don't want to be. You want to try not to be, but everyone is a hypocrite. That's not the lesson you need to take from this. What you need to take from this is they're not worried about getting coronavirus. The people who are in the know have no fear of coronavirus. None. That's why they get caught time after time after time after time violating the rules they tell you to follow. Because no matter what your belief, whether you're on the left, whether you're in the middle, whether you're on the right, Republican, Democrat, communist, libertarian, I don't care. You don't want to die. That's pretty universal. And if you thought there was a good chance of you dying, you wouldn't violate the rules you tell everyone else to follow. But because you think there's almost zero chance of you dying, you don't worry about following those rules. Don't worry about it. People learn from example. People show you what they really believe all the time. All the time. If I tell my sons, don't play in the street, cars are coming. Don't play in the street, cars are coming. Don't play in the street, cars are coming. You could get hit by a car, you might die. You want to break a leg, you don't want to die. You could get hit by a car, stay out of the street. Make sure you stay out of the street, son. And yet every single night, I get home from work, grab my baseball glove and a baseball, and I walk right out in the middle of the street and throw the ball in the air and catch it and throw the ball in the air and catch it. And they watch me do this time after time after time. Do you think they're going to think it's safe to play in the street? And I'm showing them, oh, it's actually very safe to play in the street. Look at me. They show you what they believe. What you're seeing is the entire system. You know what the system is because we've discussed it endlessly on the show. You're seeing the system do a couple different things. One, They probably didn't know what they were dealing with in the beginning, so they went way over the top and really can't admit that they're wrong. Two, they like the control, man. They like the control. Dr. Burks knows. Dr. Burks, she absolutely knows. She knows she could stand up behind a microphone right now and say, no question she could, Uh, look, You still need to take precautions. Coronavirus is fairly serious. However, we can't continue to do this to America's economy, America's mental health. Get out there. Go travel again. Open your business. Just make sure, you know, you're monitoring your temperature. Go see a doctor if you feel sick. But I'm going to travel, so I think you all should travel because coronavirus actually isn't, it's not the end of the world. It's serious, especially if you have preexisting conditions, but it's not the end of the world. So go see your family. I'm going to do the same. Open up your business. Open up your restaurant. Look, the truth is we didn't know what we were dealing with in the beginning, and I kind of missed the mark on it. I I probably overshot a little over an abundance of caution, and I apologize about that, but I think we're okay now. How easy would that be to say? The system doesn't allow for that. 
the system can never admit it's wrong. We're going to do Medal of Honor Monday, where we read a Medal of Honor citation. And you know what? Screw this. We're doing it next. Hang on. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy. Your football buddy. Or you, your best man. Your worst man. You, your dog walker. Your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Jesse Kelly. Back soon. Should black people get to vote twice? I'm not, I'm not making it up. Someone else said it. But first, every Monday on this show, we do Medal of Honor Monday. It's the only good thing, good and decent thing we do all week on this show. I will tell you, I am struggling a little bit with, I have a show I want to do on Wednesday. It's pretty dark. And I don't know whether it'll be appropriate to do one that dark. Not tomorrow. I'm parsing through my Wednesday show already, trying to figure out how dark I should get. It's obviously true. I'm wondering if it's too dark for a national radio show. It's historically true. It's something most people don't know about. It is Ugly, though. Really, really ugly. And not ugly in a way that I'm going to struggle. Remember that time we had to wrestle? We had to get listener emails, jesse at jessekellyshow.com to find a new word for diarrhea because we didn't ever want to use that word on the radio because it's just an absolute foul word. In fact, I feel like vomiting right now. It's not, not that kind of ugly. It's ugly, ugly. I can do one on Jesus, Chris. Maybe I'm worried you'll kill the mic like you killed him. Ha, 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 ha. All right, quit. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I think this is what we're going to do for Wednesday of this week. I think we're going to make it a kind of yin and yang show. Chris, one of those cookies where that's the black and white, both sides or whatever. That's I don't know. It's Chinese or Japanese or something. I'm an American. I think what we're going to do is an Ask Dr. Jesse Wednesday because it'll be my last show before the holidays. So I think I'm going to go turbo dark on the history segment and then we'll screw off and do Ask Dr. Jesse stuff the rest of the time. 
And I want you to start getting your questions in now for Ask Dr. Jesse Wednesday. They can be political, remember. They don't have to be. And if you want some kind of an emphasis on Christmas, please fire in your Christmas questions as well. Ask Dr. Jesse Wednesday this Wednesday. I just made the decision. Ask Dr. Jesse Wednesday. And I already talked myself into the story. Now, the one good thing we do all week is Medal of Honor Monday. We take a Medal of Honor citation and we read it. I know you know these Medal of Honor citations are out there. But if you don't read them, we don't remember them. And these men and the things they did, they deserve to be remembered. The only way we can remember them is by talking about it still. So let us begin. This is going to be U.S. Army. This is Phil G. McDonald. June 7th, 1968. This is in Vietnam. For conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity in action at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty, PFC McDonald distinguished himself while serving as a team leader with the 1st Platoon of Company A. While on a combat mission, his platoon came under heavy barrage from automatic weapons fire from a well-concealed company-sized enemy force. Volunteering to escort two wounded comrades to an evacuation point, PFC McDonald crawled through intense fire to destroy with a grenade an enemy automatic weapon threatening the safety of the evacuation. Returning to his platoon, he again volunteered to provide covering fire for the maneuver of the platoon from its exposed position. Realizing the threat he posed, enemy gunners concentrated their fire on PFC McDonald's position, seriously wounding him. Despite his painful wounds, PFC McDonald recovered the weapon of a wounded machine gunner to provide accurate covering fire for the gunner's evacuation. When the other soldiers were pinned down by a heavy volume of fire from a hostile machine gun to his front, PFC McDonald crawled toward the enemy position to destroy it with, with grenades. He was mortally wounded in this intrepid action. PFC McDonald's gallantry at the risk of his life, which resulted in the saving of the lives of his comrades, is in keeping with the highest traditions of the military service and reflect great credit upon himself his unit, and the U.S. Army. And PFC McDonald obviously died that day. And I think that deserves to be remembered. I think it deserves to be talked about. When the day comes that we have read through every single Medal of Honor citation there is on this show, I got to be honest, we're just going to rewind and start them all over again. Because they deserve to be remembered. And when the day comes where they finally kick me off the air for saying something way too offensive, which we all know is coming. When that day finally comes, I will know that's one decent thing we did. For the most part, I'll know that I definitely deserve to get kicked off. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to cry in my Cheerios about that. But I'll know that that's the one decent thing we did. Chris. Listen to this headline. I, just, I have to get to it. I was going to wait. I'm going to get to the black people voting twice thing and the stimulus bill. Just give me one second. Bloomberg reporter quits job. And she for a marriage for the farmer bro, Martin Shkreli, 
He's that dirty guy. He was a, a, a pharmacist guy who was a price gouger. He ended up going to jail, but he was super cocky about it. The ultimate bad guy. But I want you to listen to the first sentence of this article. A former Bloomberg News reporter quit her job, divorced her husband, and froze her eggs for imprisoned former CEO Martin Shkreli, known as the Pharma Bro, who now refuses to talk to her. Christy Smith first broke the news of Shkreli's arrest on fraud charges in December 2015. Shkreli had granted notoriety months earlier when his company raised the price of an anti-parasite drug from $1,350 to $750. Smith said she and Shkreli started dating after he was incarcerated. It's hard to think of a time when I felt happier, Smith said of her relationship. In a statement, Shkreli told Elle that Mr. Shkreli wishes Miss Smith the best of luck in her future endeavors. Smith took to Twitter on Sunday night after the Elle article was published and offered a rebuttal of sorts to those criticizing her choice of, of love interest and decision to leave her old life. Women love bad boys. It is wild how much women love bad boys. They do. They do. And what's terrible is half the women will flat out admit it. The other half will deny it till they're blue in the face. But women see the guy on the motorcycle in the leather jacket with too many tattoos. And it looks exciting. Why do you think women, why do you think women love rock stars so much? Have you seen these rock stars? 90% of these guys look like homeless people. Just disaster, drugged out, leather pants, sweaty, smelly, gross, rude human being. Half the time these people are crazy. What's the appeal of a rock star to a woman? It's exciting. It's bad. It's something wrong. There's some kind of rebellious thing there. Like there's some kind of dad rebellion thing there, Chris. I'm 100% convinced of it. But, man. You can really take that thing to the extreme. Ladies, it's one thing if you want to date a drummer for a half a year when you're 18 before you realize, wow, drugs really don't make my body feel good. I should probably move on to something else. Okay, yeah, you had a moment. Not ideal, but you had a moment. So I wouldn't recommend that moment. It's another thing entirely when you're settled down with a husband to leave him for someone in jail. <laughs> it's so weird to me. You've heard about these prisoners, have you? These guys on death row, serial killers get these love letters. There's something. You know what? We're, we're going to ask Michael Malice about that. I can't wait to ask him about that next. Hang on one sec. Natural medicines and holistic healing approaches. These things are known to help alleviate a lot of the things that plague us. And I know you're struggling with anxiety. I see the emails. I know sleeplessness is something that comes for all of us sometimes. I get that. Me, joint pain is my thing, especially now that it gets cold. My shoulder, my right knee, it's just something that's getting to me. I choose CBD. I choose CBD. 
But which CBD do you choose? I mean, they have CBD at the local gas station next to the switchblades. I don't think that's probably the highest quality. Well, Doctors Trusted CBD Company, they went and found the best in the industry, and that's why they teamed up with people like Be Best Organics, which is made in the USA and USDA certified organic. Go to DoctorsTrustedCBD.com. That's DoctorsTrustedCBD.com. Use the promo code JESSE for 5% off and a free lip balm. Joining me now, host of Your Welcome, Michael Malice, always has a different take on something, always has something to say. Michael, first, before we get going here, I have to know, Bloomberg reporter quit her job, divorced her husband's and, husband and froze her eggs for Martin Shkreli or however you say this guy's name. Why do chicks love bad boys? What is the mental thing there? I mean, we're both bad boys, aren't we, Jesse? Yes. Listen, it, it, Martin Shkreli told me I'm not funny and I should get my my butt off of Twitter, and now he's in jail. So maybe she should be giving me a call. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, I think Shkreli is wealthy. He's hilarious. Um, and if you, you – I don't know if you've been to New York. Certainly, I'm sure you have it in recent months. But, yeah, he would definitely be – uh, kind of an alpha in this town. He's not a soy boy at all. He's kind of a badass. And apparently he's quite popular in prison. And I don't mean that in the ironic, sarcastic way. Like, people like him. I have heard this before. And look, I, I love guys like that anyway. I've, I've been a fan. <laughs> I've yeah. been a fan. I like the whole go screw yourself, I'm not sorry mentality. So that probably doesn't hurt him either. Um, of course. I haven't actually gotten to the story yet. But there's a story out there about a law professor saying black Americans, their votes should count twice. And I, I've just found myself this weekend thinking how damaging the civil rights movement has become to the United States of America. You know, you know, I, I, everybody wants equality, but it has become something that is absolutely tearing the country apart. Well, that would be an odd endorsement of the civil rights movement, now, wouldn't it? Um, what you're saying is nothing new. I mean, I'm a little bit older than you. I'm a dinosaur. In 1992, when Bill Clinton was looking for, I believe, attorney general, one of the names he floated was Lonnie Guineer. And Lonnie Guineer was an academic, uh, African-American woman, if I'm not mistaken. And she had posited this as being one of the ways to deal with racial disparities, to have black people have multiple votes. The basis of progressivism is engineering whatever system is in place until you force the outcome that you like. So I don't think this is much of a surprise. Um, And to be honest, I'm not a big fan of democracy at all. So the idea that everyone should vote and everyone should have one vote isn't something that I'm particularly partial to myself. (laughs) You know, I I have to be honest. That's another thing we have in common. While I'm not an anarchist, I I do not think that, you know, the way the system we have works that well. When you look at the morons who do vote, anybody who's tried to edit an order in a fast food restaurant knows very well these are the people who cancel out your votes. What should be, if you have to have a poll test of some kind, what would be the Michael Malice poll test? You have to do blank to vote. Is it property taxes? Is it an we IQ asked this test? Already, remember? 
you asked me this a couple of weeks ago. Yep. And the answer is, can you write your name in the in the snow? No, uh, without no. using that's the, that's the test. It's just as simple as that. It also, uh, I think that would that would solve all the problems in in one one vote. Don't you think? It would look. It would. People people don't talk about this because it's so offensive. I obviously talk about it all the time because it is offensive. <laughs> but the Nineteenth Amendment. It did bring emotion, an, an undue amount of emotion, into the voting public, whereas it used to be not an only male vote. It was an only family vote. They would go home. Men would discuss it with their wives. People would go vote. No, they wouldn't. They're not discussing it with their wives. Yeah. This is conservative <laughs> BS propaganda. No one's talking to her. She's with the kids. And get those bratty kids away from me or give them to the nanny. No one's discussing oh, please. Do you really believe this? I do. I do. I absolutely no. do. For a, well, I'll, I put it. I'll put it to you this way. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But I politics think the, was no, no, no. Politics was viewed as filthy and dirty and disgusting, not incorrectly. And it was the husband's job to keep it away from reaching his wife's sensibilities, and that wasn't entirely incorrect. <sighs> what do you think about removing statues, Civil War statues? I saw Virginia's removing another one today. I despise it. For one, I think the Civil War is complicated anyway. While there's no defense of slavery, the Civil War is much more complicated than they make it. But I think this statue thing that Republicans cave on all the time is just another way for them to wreck who we are. Well, one is this is their version of saying we're going to pee on your altar. We're going to uh, defile that which you revere and hold dear. So it's a flex of power in one sense. In another sense, this is a very good sign because if they can't win now, they have to retreat to the last time they did win, um, which is decades ago or even a century and a half ago. So it's a very, it, wouldn't you rather them be tearing down statues than tearing down edifices that are functional today and that can move and that are actually doing damage. So this is really a sign of impotence in my view. Um, and I, I don't really have a particular dog in this fight, um, but it just also shows, and people need to understand this, conservatives think for a long time, oh, well, they love America just as much as you and I. Oh. They, they do not have those values that you do. Get it out of your head. Uh, and, and they do not have this veneration of American history that you do. Explain to me why they would feel desperation when they control the entire system. I mean, one of the two political parties, half the other party at least, the whole media, education system, Hollywood, they have all that. Now, I'm not saying they have the majority of the people, but they have the entire system itself. Why feel desperate when it couldn't be going better if you're a leftist? I don't think they have this because the system is losing its efficacy. It's like I have, yeah, I'm driving the car, but there's no gasoline. Increasing numbers of the population, I mean, to historically unprecedented levels, are saying, we don't care what you say about anything. We're going to defy you on principle. You're the enemy. There's not going to be any conversation. You and I have done a great job in our own way to escalate this kind of thinking. And this has caused them to freak out because it used to be they would throw out some nutty idea and conservatives would get up in a dander and start arguing with them. And now people on the right increase are like, we know you're going to throw out nutty ideas. We're going to dig in our heels. This is not going to be a conversation. Gun rights is a great example. Let's sit down and have a conversation about gun rights. The answer now is, you know what? Every time you hear someone talk about gun rights, go buy a gun. Don't sit down and talk to them. Do something about it. And that is why they're freaking out. What do you make of this Swalwell thing? Should we think this story is more important, less important? I mean, him 
Him getting intimate with a Chinese spy is just gossip rag stuff. I don't care about that. I do very much care that someone on the House Intel Committee was exchanging pillow talk with an enemy of the United States of America. Well, I, I, I don't know if you noticed, but what Pelosi said about this, I, I think it was Kevin McCarthy, House Minority Leader, was bringing it up. And she said, oh, the only people who care about this are the QAnon delegation. Now, we all remember back in March, April, when Trump was talking about the Wuhan flu, he was called racist for talking about the geographical origin of the, the virus. And it would have made sense for Pelosi to be like, oh, people are attacking him for racist reasons. QAnon. I mean, they're just what what narrative collapse looks like. They take whatever slur of the moment and apply it in an attempt to dismiss things. And I don't care where you are in the political spectrum. When you hear someone has been intimate with a spy, you're like, all right, we need to figure out what this spy had access to, what they gleaned. And just throwing out a, a pejorative is not going to make it go away. So this is another demonstration of their decreasing ability to control the narrative uh, in the public. Are all of our politicians too online? And what I mean by that is for the Speaker of the House to throw out QAnon. I mean, I talk politics four hours a day. I still don't understand what that is. I I think it's something that went way over the head of the American public. Yeah, it's an Internet idea. It's really funny because the QAnon at best is the idea that there's an international pedophile ring and the people in power are doing a lot to cover it up. Let me remind everyone, Dennis Hastert went to jail for this. He was third in line for the uh, um, presidency. He was the longest serving Republican Speaker of the House of History. Uh, um, There's people like Kevin Spacey, Bill Cosby, Harvey Weinstein, Jeffrey Epstein. There's lots of really depraved people in power. And the thing that everyone appreciates, they all knew about it. Everyone knew the people who worked at the talent agency Bill Cosby worked with were told not to get in the elevator with him, things like this. So uh, to dismiss these concerns is another kind of demonstration of their lack of ability to silence bad news. Michael Malice, the show's your welcome. Thank you, my brother. You have a Merry Christmas. Always a pleasure. Take care, Jesse. All right. We're going to talk about this law, Professor. We're going to have a frank talk about the stimulus bill and removing this Robert E. Lee statue. Hang on. Missed out? Catch up. JesseKellyShow.com. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.
Remember, you can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC. You can find the show has its own Twitter page. Sometimes we do uh, something where you need more visual. Granted, I can paint a masterpiece with the English language. What, Chris? But if you need something more visual, we'll describe a video. We'll put stuff on the Twitter page at Jesse Kelly Show. This Wednesday, it's an Ask Dr. Jesse Wednesday because that's my last show of the year. I am preparing you now. Remember, I am never, ever, ever going to do a show you have to turn off with your kids in the car. Ever. I don't do that. I'm I'm just not going to do it. It's not because I'm a good person. I'm a horrible person. I, as a father, though, am so sick. I get angry now. I I flat out lose my temper. My kids will make fun of me for it. I'll lose my temper and turn off the TV and turn off the radio when I'm trying to watch something with my sons and garbage comes on and I can't listen to it. So you're never going to have to worry about that. However, it can get bloody. It can get dark. I am not going to sugarcoat history for you, for your kids, for anybody. Because I think I think we do that way too much. I think we simplify and sugarcoat things way, way, way too much. We do it we do it for a variety of reasons. Sometimes that simplification of, of history, of news stories, whatever it may be, sometimes it's because of a specific agenda. Sometimes it's because, well, it just makes it easier to remember. I'm guilty of it, too. You know, I give you a history story every day. I don't bog you with details, do I? Ever. I never give you more than two or three names, maybe two or three locations max, because I I. I I see people do this all the time, ruining the story. When Max Johnson got with General Keller and the West Wing of the this army and then the Northern Army, but they got with the 101st Division down in Vietnam, and you, you, already don't, you don't even know what I'm talking about now. Details ruin a story. So we do it. We simplify history for that reason. It makes it easier to consume. But we simplify history too. Is it? It's easier on our sensibilities. It just is. It's easier on our sensibilities to to simplify it. Things like the dropping of the atom bomb is a great example of this. I am a fan. When I say a fan, that is, I believe it was 100% necessary. I think anybody who has looked into how Japan conducted itself during that war, not just the atrocities, which were endless, but the fact they were, I mean, we had just watched civilians throw their babies off a cliff in Saipan. They were training everybody. It was just, it would have been a nightmare to try to invade. I I think that was the only thing to do. So you take someone like me, pro atom bomb. What do we do? What do we do? Well, we try to justify our beliefs. I do this too. I do this in my mind. I justify my beliefs in my mind by saying things like, oh, well, this, have you seen what the Japanese did to here? They were bayoneting kids here. Did you see, did you hear about the rape of Nanking? This is how they tortured American troops all the time. We had medical experiment. I mean, you don't have to look hard to find unspeakable atrocities by the Japanese army in World War II. Every bit as evil as Hitler. They just didn't execute on a mass scale in a single camp. But you talk to China, 
talked to someone in China about who the bad guy was in World War II, the real bad guy. Um, Chris, do me a favor real quick. Look up how many Chinese people died in World War II. China, if you told them Hitler was the worst part of World War II, they'd laugh in your freaking face. Everything's a matter of perspective. But anyway, back to the atom bomb. I can tell you all these things and my justification for it. But I want the other half of it, too. There's a show on HBO right now. I think it's still available. I think it's called White Lightning, Black Rain, or White Light, Black Rain. I may have that wrong. But it's interviews with Japanese people who lived through the bomb. They were obviously almost all children during the time, but have clear memories of the bomb. And they are telling horrible stories. And the the show itself shows horrible, horrible things. The injuries that come from heat and fire like that and stuff. And it is tough to watch. And I mean, very tough to watch. Be careful watching that one with your kids. There's, there's ugly, ugly stuff in there. That's from me. However, I think it's important not to simplify history into just the parts I'm comfortable with. Into just the parts that support my side. I think people do that way too much. Yeah, Chris just pulled it up for me. 17 million Chinese people died in World War II. We have no idea of the exact number. They estimate 20% of the World War II casualties were Chinese. You ask China who the bad guy was. They'll point one direction. Them. (laughs) It was Japan. Virginia's removing its Robert E. Lee statue from the U.S. Capitol. Quote from U.S. Reps Donald McEachin and Jennifer Wexton, both Democrats. This is historic and long overdue moment for our Commonwealth. Legacy of division, oppression, and racism. Uh, Hang on there. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Yes, I'm going to get to the $900 billion Airfingers quote corona relief bill that passed and what's in it. I'll tell you exactly what's in it. I'll probably tell you that here in the next hour, but 
Virginia removes its Robert E. Lee statue. You can't just think about the history you like. I'm just going to tell you this. Slavery, bad. No question. Terrible. Treating another human being like a cow is awful. Beyond that, the Civil War was a very, very, very complicated affair. A very complicated affair. Did you know that Abraham Lincoln flat out told the South, you can keep your slaves, just come back to the Union? Did you know that Abe Lincoln wanted black people deported? And I'm not ripping on Abe. I'm telling you, this angels and demons view of history, rarely is that the case. All right. Stimulus bill. Hang on. Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. We didn't do it. We couldn't pass legislation until now because the administration simply did not believe in testing, tracing, treatment, wearing masks, sanitation, separation, and the rest, scientific approach. It had come clear to us now that they believed in herd immunity, quackery springing right from the Oval Office, and not denied sufficiently by some of the uh, CDC and the rest. So now we have a vaccine, and that gives us hope. A vaccine that is springs from science. People say around here sometimes, I'm faith-oriented, so I don't believe in science. And I said, well, you Yeah, nobody's ever said that. Not a single person has ever said that. <laughs> All right, remember... You can get the entire Jesse Kelly show on iHeart, Google, Spotify, on iTunes. Chris podcasts the whole show right after the show on iTunes. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a review talking about how handsome I am. I will read the reviews, the good ones on the air because they're hilarious. Remember this about Nancy Pelosi. Just like Burks. Just like Lori Lightfoot, Gavin Newsom, Andrew Cuomo, all of them, there's a reason she's been caught when she's 8,000 years old live, or work, or getting her hair cut in a salon with no mask on. Nancy Pelosi has no fear of coronavirus. She wants you to be afraid. She knows there's all kinds of things she can do if you're afraid. But Nancy Pelosi has no fear of coronavirus. None. They're pushing it on to you. 
but they just passed a $900 billion coronavirus relief bill. This is from justthenews.com. In case you're wondering what's in it, here's what's in it. We're actually going to give people some real information on the show, Chris. This is weird. I know. It's really weird. First of all, business relief. The bill includes more than $284 billion for more forgivable protection protection program loans. (laughs) Paycheck protection program loans, Chris. Shut up. It's harder than you think. The bill expands eligibility for nonprofit organizations, news outlets, and lets churches and faith-based organizations qualify. $284 billion. I want you all to keep in mind the economy is $20 trillion. Jobless benefits, unemployment benefits up to $300 per week will be extended at least through March 14th. Oh, good. That that paid off really well last time. Remember last time when we paid people not to work and then the companies started opening back up again and they called their employees, inviting them back, and a lot of the employees said, sorry, I'm actually making more money on unemployment. I think I'll stay home and play Xbox. Yeah, good. We doubled down on that. Tax relief. Businesses that receive PPP loans and had them forgiven, will be allowed to deduct the costs covered by those loans on their federal taxes. COVID vaccine assistance. The bill sets aside $48 billion for COVID health care needs, including $20 billion to make the vaccine available for free to those who need it. I love this part. Entertainment industry aid. The legislation will provide $15 billion for independent movie theaters and cultural institutions. Oh, oh, good. Eviction moratorium. I love this. Legislation extends until January 31st, a moratorium on evictions that was slated to expire at the end of next year. Let's pause there for one quick second. I I realize that that sounds really nice. No kicking people out. Um, Landlords are not all robber barons. Landlords have purchased something. They have to operate at a certain capacity and it has to be a paying capacity or the landlord cannot pay his bills. If the landlord can't pay his bills, the landlord goes bust and then everyone gets kicked out. One, two, if enough landlords can't pay their bills, the banks go bust. There is no relief from just issuing orders that you can't kick people out. That's the feel-good idiot politics of today. Up, oh, you can't kick people out anymore. What? Why? If, if they're not paying and I have someone who will pay, I have bills too. I have a wife to feed too, kids to feed too, mortgage, car payments. I have bills to pay. Rent assistance. The deal provides $25 billion in emergency assistance to renters. There is $82 billion set aside for colleges and schools to fund AC and heating repair and retrofitting to reduce coronavirus risks and reopen classrooms. And child care aid. The deal provides $10 billion for child care assistance. And last, certainly not least, Chris. The bill offers up to $600 in stimulus checks per person, including adults and children, for families making less than $99,000 annually. The payment begins decreasing for those above $75,000 in annual income, and they base that off your 2019 income, I should mention. 
the government has absolutely carpet-bombed this economy. Slaughtered it. Slaughtered it. And they hand you $600 when they're done doing it. There. Enjoy that, peasant. Don't spend it all in one place. And I'll tell you what. I'm glad they did it. And this is why. I'm glad they did it. I want to know exactly what people think of me. I want to know exactly how much people respect me. It helps me know how I deal with them. You need to understand this, and you need to tell family this. You need to tell friends this. The government has such a small amount of respect for you. They just ruined your economy and gave you $600 and told you to go home. That's how little the government respects you. 877-377-4373 is the number. 877-377-4373. I want the American people to wake up to how disgusting and broken and bloated our government is. And they never will until the abuse gets worse and worse and worse. I'm done beating my head against the wall, as I know so many of you are trying to wake people up, trying to make people realize how broken this system is. So I want I want 10 more of these bills passed. Just keep passing them. Keep giving people pocket change while the congressional gym has never been closed. The congressional cafeteria has never been closed. Governor after governor after mayor after mayor after doctor after doctor caught violating all their own rules. I want them to continue to abuse you and your trust and abuse me and my trust because I want all of us to realize how terrible these people truly are. It is important, critically important, as an American in 2020, and I know this sounds terrible, But it is important that you distrust your government, that you distrust your news, that you distrust your education system, that you distrust your media consumption. It is critical that you filter everything that comes into your mind through the lens of these people are trying to destroy what I love. Everything has to be filtered through that. When you sit down for 10, 15 minutes at night, turn on the news, get home from work, tired, had dinner with the fam, beer in your hands, wonder what's on the news. Know that that 10, 15 minutes, you're being fed things from people who hate you. All right. Black people voting twice. I'm finally going to get to it. Hang on. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Like a stain on your brain, you can't get out. Natural medicines and holistic healing approaches are known. These things are known to help alleviate the things that plague us all. Things that plague us all. Joint pain. How do your knees feel now that the weather is getting colder? Shoulders, hips. I know what it's like. Believe me. I beat up my body enough in the Marine Corps. I know what it's like to go through that. Well, I don't want to reach for a pill bottle. I want natural medicines. So that's why I've chosen CBD. 
and Doctors Trusted CBD Company, they made it so I don't have to wonder if I'm getting the highest quality. They researched the whole industry, and they only sell the highest quality at DoctorsTrustedCBD.com. That's why they teamed up with Be Best Organics. You'll find it right there. Be Best Organics tests every single batch. I'm not making that up. Every batch. Go to DoctorsTrustedCBD.com. That's DoctorsTrustedCBD.com. Use the promo code JESSE for 5% off and a free lip balm. Listen, Gabby. The Jesse Kelly Show. Um, off topic. Um, you know, do you believe there should be a special counsel appointed to investigate the allegations against Hunter Biden? Uh, on your first question, we think that the prospects are very good. Masood is in the custody of the current government of Libya, and we have no reason to think that that government is interested in associating itself with this heinous act of terrorism. And so we are optimistic that they will turn him over to face justice. Uh, on the second question, I think to the extent that uh, there's an inv investigation, I think that it's being handled responsibly and professionally uh, currently within the, the department, and to this point, I have not seen a reason to appoint a special counsel, and I have no plan to do so before I leave. That was Attorney General Bill Barr. He wants you to know the Hunter Biden investigation. It's not going to be politicized. There's going to be no cover up there. I mean, when have we ever seen the F FBI get political on behalf of Democrats? Stop, be stop being so distrustful. The important thing is we always do things the right way. I mean, we have to appear noble, right? I mean, I I remember, gosh, it seems like it was only yesterday. Donald, Donald Trump got elected. The Democrats promptly... Promptly got a special counsel going to investigate Donald Trump, and they spent the first two years of his presidency kneecapping every part of his agenda because he was under investigation from a special counsel. In fact, Donald Trump's attorney general recused himself from getting involved in that whole thing because, again, well, yeah, I mean, it's bad, but I have to recuse myself. It wouldn't be right to get involved. We have to do things the right way. It's important that we do things the right way. Uh, yeah, they're going to abuse it, but the right way. So now, now that clearly Joe Biden's going to take over as president, he's going to appoint a highly political attorney general, as every Democrat president does. That attorney general is undoubtedly going to wink, wink, nudge, nudge, make this whole thing disappear very, very quietly. But we don't need a special prosecutor. We have to do things the right way. Don't you understand? The important thing is it's not winning. The important thing is not winning. The important thing is that as the leftist scourge takes over every single part of American society, we appear to be morally right while they do so. Granted, 
granted, that means ignoring the fact that once they take over every part of society, they will decide what's morally right. And yeah, they'll throw you in jail for misgendering somebody. But I mean, beyond that, the important thing is we have to do things the right way. I'm so sick of that crap. I'm so endlessly sick of that crap. We are never, ever, 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 ever going to take this culture back unless you and I and the people we elect and the people we appoint start getting more comfortable being uncomfortable. That's just a fact. It's just a fact. I don't like saying that to you. I don't like thinking about it. You're going to have to do things to stop the leftists that you never wanted to do in your lifetime. You know why the left feels totally, totally free? Totally free to appoint a special counsel. Destroy Trump's first two years of presidency. And then they move right from that into impeaching the president over nothing. You realize what a big deal impeachment is? It is a huge deal. They impeached him over nothing. Just a totally partisan impeachment just to do something. Do you know why the left feels totally free to do these things? Because they know Republicans don't have the nuts to do it back to them. That's why they feel free. They know we will take over and say, well, I have to do things the right way. Well, we can't, we can't be like them, guys. They know they will never, ever, ever have to eat the policies they push. They'll never be forced to play on that field. That's why they go all in and they play politics like a blood sport because they know at the end, we will do the right thing. They know it. Until you start making them eat it, until you start making them live up to these standards, we're never going to take it back. There's never going to be a truce called, ever. Leftists do not think in those terms. Leftists will never stop advancing, ever, until you make them stop. And doing the right thing is not going to make them stop. A special counsel should have been appointed yesterday to be separated from Joe Biden's incoming administration and make sure the Hunter Biden thing is investigated fully. Not that I trust that that would have been either. Instead, we get bullcrap lines like, ah, I've seen no indication it's being politicized. Yeah, where would we ever think the FBI would do that? When they drop the whole Hillary thing like a hot potato? When they get highly involved, we have the text messages, we have the emails, highly involved in trying to stop Donald Trump from becoming president of the United States of America. The Federal Bureau of Investigation tried to stop Donald Trump from becoming president of the United States of America. And now you expect me to sit back and think, wow, I'm sure the Hunter Biden stuff's on the up and up. What are they, they going to, 
well, they're not going to get political about it, the whole thing. You really expect me to believe that? You can't possibly be serious. You can't possibly be serious. This is what we have. We are never going to take the culture back like this unless you make the left live by their own rules, take their own medicine, eat their own food, however you want to put it. Unless you make them do it, they will never be tempted to stop because why would they stop? If the left is never, ever, ever held to account for what they've done, why would they stop? Do you realize how, how much Donald Trump's presidency didn't live up to expectation because of the things the left pulled off? You realize that that special counsel the left appointed, remember this, he knew prior to the midterm elections, he already knew, we have this well established, that there was no Russian collusion and chose to keep it quiet until after the midterm. They do anything and everything to take power, to keep power. We're scared to use it. We're scared to do it back. Why? What is that? What is that? How? How do we become so neutered on the right? What what has happened to us? I'll tell you what. I've said this before, and I mean it. I really mean it. You think Donald Trump was vulgar, different? Donald Trump was the polite version of what's coming. He was. The right, they're going to absolutely go nuts eventually. All right. We've got to talk to Amanda Prestigiacomo about manhood. Hang on. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. (gasps) Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Joining me now from the Daily Wire, Amanda Prestigiacomo. Amanda, 
I see a coronavirus relief bill, $900 billion, $600 stimulus checks to families. We even have billions of dollars here for the entertainment industry. And honestly, I'm thrilled about it because I want the American people to flat out hate this crappy government. Amanda, are you there? Amanda, are you there? Amanda, I feel like I'm talking to myself here. It's clearly not there. <laughs> Amanda, are you there? All right, forget it. I do. All right, Amanda, did you hear the question? Did we finally have her. No, I'm sorry. I totally missed that. No, I, I, I'm i thrilled about the stimulus bill that passed because I, I think we're at the point now where I want people to hate the government. I want people to have complete distrust in everything doctors say, government says, and everybody else, and that's just the cynical level I'm at now. Uh, that you want no no i think distrust of the government is is good and healthy mm-hmm. and uh, i think these past four years pretty much everyone on the right already had that distrust amplified um so yeah anytime you can have distrust in the government i think we're better off especially after what we've seen with this you know pandemic um where you know we have just as much information as everybody else we know the fatality rate for people under retirement age we know the risk we know the risk that restaurants and everything else and still and still these tyrants are are you know crushing businesses so i mean that if that doesn't gin up this trust i'm not sure what would uh what would amanda you tell me because i really mean this we have i mean there are more politicians politicians i can list who've been caught busting the coronavirus rules they Mm. tell everyone else Mm -hmm. to follow now we find out burks goes on tv tells everybody don't travel be safe of course goes off to one of her vacation homes with with three generations of her family which all that's Mm. fine okay politicians are hypocrites these people are hypocrites that's normal when are the american people going to have had enough of this crap or are they still is there still so much coronavirus fear out there real fear that we can't properly push back there is there is fear you're starting to see in places where the crackdown is so heavy-handed and so just flagrant and and you know of course hypocritical by these governors or officials or overweight health department officials um you're starting to see in those areas people are opening in defiance and it's happening more and more i mean it took way too long but it's happening more and more where people are opening into science. We have a recall effort for Gavin Newsom, which is actually gaining steam. And Politico said, you know, this could actually become a real thing. This is not some stupid political thing where people are just fundraising. This is real. Um, people are really, because again, we have the same access to information as everybody else, right? They don't have the secret knowledge that we don't have. They know the truth and still they are being hammered down. So I think in the worst, areas with, with the strictest lockdown measures people are finally waking up you know it took eight months um but i i just hope that continues because that's the only way we get out of this that is the only way is non-compliance because they will never give up i mean we just saw the vaccine get rolled out and then what happened the same day there's a new strain <laughs> so um they will never relinquish power we have to stop we just need to stop complying how close are we to stopping it, though? I realize there are pockets, and I see. See, here's what here's what bothers me, Amanda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm happy people like you are out there, but what we're seeing now, as far as non-compliance, it's really the small business owners. It's only the people it who is. have been so screwed they're about to lose everything, and now they're not complying. Other people aren't joining that cause; they're just not. Yeah, and and I mean, I mean, this is really the split that we have. 
it is people unaffected by lockdown and people affected. And that is that is the dividing line. I mean, we have, you know, people who get government checks um, who haven't seen a dot, haven't lost a dime. They've just been home doing Zoom calls and stuff like that. Um, that that really is the dividing line. We have teachers unions that are even though we know there's no risk for children, you know, you are far more likely to have uh, a serious reaction to the flu if you're a child than COVID. It's even safer than the flu for kids. We know this. And still, they're getting paid and not going to work. Um, it's, it's, it really is the dividing line. It's who is affected and who isn't. And until, and this is never going to happen, until those paychecks somehow stop or, uh, you know, the media you know, don't keep getting all their, you know, continue to make money off of this pandemic. Um, you're going to have that half of the country, which is basically half of the country, people unaffected, um, continue to push this fear-mongering nonsense. And you're going to have the other half um, really push back. And I know you've been talking about a national divorce for, I don't know, at least a year, maybe not, maybe longer. Um, this, you know, this just kind of accelerates that because there is such a big divide the unaffected and the affected. You wrote something that was really good yesterday on social media about men and the importance of men in society. Elaborate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think this ties perfectly into coronavirus, actually. I mean, we have, we have some men, we have a, we have a, a decent sect of conservative men who are willing to stand up and not be told, not, not uh, accept the calls from the left that they are just, particularly if they're white, um, white men who have no say, right? They are, they are the ill to society. We have some men who are actually stepping up, you know, yourself included, and who will refuse to shut up, who will call out the nonsense that, that will sort of lead this country and, their fa- and even on a micro level, their families. Um, but we don't have that wholesale. I mean, we have, I mean, I just, it, it sort of blows my mind and this probably makes me sound sexist, but with this whole coronavirus thing, so many men uh, are just living in fear, and it, it's so it doesn't like um, assess in my brain just because I was I was raised with men who are just logical and and pretty strong, and with all the information we have, to even see these men being so weak and not you know standing up against this nonsense and this tyranny is um, you know kind of why we're on this path. I mean, I, I do think there is. A divide when it comes to men and women, when it comes to risk assessment, right, and things like that, where men probably see this differently. Um, you know, I think there's some outliers, but it's just um, what happened. We've been really feminized. We've been, you know, weak, and um, we don't want to take any risk. And it, you know, be damned if we ruin the whole economy and kill more people. You know, it's the facade of, of being a good person, and it's and it's immoral and it's unethical. What happened to men? Was it? Uh, uh fatherhood crisis is it a a lack of church crisis what what happened to the american male because like i talked about in the opening of the show in my mind the american like theme is a family Mm -hmm. in a wagon heading west risking all the dangers for all of it that that is america to me that's what we were what happened yeah yeah no that's that's exactly right and i think you have i mean this was targeted this wasn't by accident we have um you know, the destruction of the family. And I think that when you have the man gone from the family, when you have, you know, women having kids out of wedlock and you have children being raised by just mothers or, um, you know, men who sort of let the women call the shots. And I know that sounds like a simplistic thing to say, but 
women like leading the family and, and basically muzzling the man where he has no say, um, that's been shown to be very detrimental. And I mean, we just see it with, with our children. I mean, even just look at, you know, young girls, like some of the things, I mean, I mean, you look at the internet and there, there are like teenagers on OnlyFans. Um, and it's just, yeah, there's, there's no, I mean, I, I grew up in a really strict home and I just feel like that is sort of, you know, that's patriarchal. That's not, you know, that's, that's oppressive right and it's like no that's that's actually very necessary and and we we just don't have any of that and of course god is a big reason i mean we don't have families going to church we don't have moral consequences we don't have we don't even have um unethical and ethical things we can all agree on i mean what you know post god what is right what is wrong it's moral relativism you know that's a huge detriment to our society and and weakens men yeah it's a lot of things a lot of things Amanda Presta Giacomo, go read her stuff. She writes great stuff at the Daily Water. Appreciate you. Yeah, thank you, Jesse. Yeah. All right. <laughs> On my life, the black people voting twice thing. I've been promising it the whole show. I swear I have not done this on purpose. I'm going to talk about it next. Hang on. Stocky. Follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly DC. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Ladies and gentlemen, we have arrived in Philadelphia. Local time is 3.05 p.m. and the temperature is 67 degrees. At this time, you are now free to use your cellular devices. You know that feeling when you get to turn your phone on after the plane lands? You can have that feeling every time you drive. Make sure your cell phone is stowed away whenever you are behind the wheel. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Law professor advocates for black Americans votes to count twice. Washington and Lee University assistant law professor Brandon Hashbrock says black Americans and Native Americans should be able to vote twice as a cheaper form of reparations. Claiming that black votes in this country are worth worth less than white votes, Hashbrook wrote an op-ed for the nation, quote, Joe Biden won the Electoral College because black voters in Atlanta Detroit, Milwaukee, and Philadelphia turned out in significant numbers. But even with overwhelming black support and 94% Detroit voter turnout for Biden, the outcomes in Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania were worryingly close. Hauschbrook said these reparations should extend to Native Americans as well. Slavery is rightly called America's original sin. But so too was the United States' genocidal seizure of land from its original inhabitants. 
various legal forms of disenfranchisement have applied to them. This is not about some idiot professor at Washington and Lee University. I don't expect you to care about them now or ever care about him or that university ever again. You probably didn't even hear about it till you just heard my words. What I want you to understand is maybe not this overtly, but this way of thinking that we must punish ourselves today for the wrongs of the past This is not a way of thinking that is isolated to some nutball college college professor at Washington and Lee University. This way of thinking is pervasive in American society. This way of thinking is taught by the system. This way of thinking, hear me here, please. This way of thinking is taught to your children in schools. When your children... Learn about American history, and they spend 15 minutes on the American Revolution. But they spend a month on the Native American genocide, and then, and then another month on slavery, and then another month on the civil rights thing. That's what they're doing. When you turn on the movies, and every single movie that, that has black people in it is about civil rights and oppression, that's what they're doing. The United States military, all throughout it, diversity is our strike. We need to be more diverse. We need more women. We need more Native Americans. That's what they're doing. It's in your church. I lost mine because of this crap. This is everywhere. It's in your entertainment. It's in your bureaucracy. It's in your military. It's in your church. It's in your schools. It is taught. It is mainstream thought now taught to this culture over and over and over and over again. And all it is, all it is is the ultimate avenue for the left to bring this country to its knees. If you can convince enough people that America is evil, then it's a lot easier to convince them to burn America down. It doesn't have to be Republican or Democrat, left or right, whatever the case may be. All you have to do is get somebody to believe that America sucks, that it's an evil place. And after that, what won't your conscience allow you to do to it? Why do you think? Why do you think they call you Nazi all the time? I mean, some of those some of those people calling the people on the right Nazis are just wing nuts or college kids or something like that, but not close to all of them. Why do you think they call you Nazi all the time? Time after time after white supremacist Nazis, white supremacists is a real white supremacist movement because just saying that word, Nazi, white supremacist, it brings up an image in your mind of, of what? Evil, right? Profound evil. Do you know what the Soviets did to the German people, including innocent civilians, when they took Germany back? They committed acts of barbarism there I won't describe on my show. I'm talking crucifixion of teenage girls after an entire unit has their way with them. And believe me, I'm being nice. Do you know why you don't know about it or why you never watch movies about it? Because nobody cares what happens to Nazis. Because once somebody becomes a Nazi, 
then your conscience will allow you to do anything you want to that person. What can't you do to a Nazi? Think about uh, setting Nazis aside. Child molesters. Is there anybody worse than a child molester? Everybody. It's almost mainstream thought. I mean, I have people who say that we should have capital punishment for them. I'm one of them. I believe we should. We should have capital punishment for them. And I'm not, I'm, I waver on capital punishment, and I'm still like, oh, kill him. Let's just kill him. Everybody. So what if, what if I were able to get you through repeating it time and time and time again, and I had everybody repeat it for me? Democrats are pedophiles. Democrats are pedophiles. Did you hear Democrats are pedophiles? I'm not saying that, but what if I were to get that out there? Eventually, if that gets into your mind, what won't your conscience allow you to do to a pedophile? Anything. Anything. You could do anything to one. You could tell me a story about how you were driving home tonight on the highway and there was a pedophile beside you and you ran him off the road and he flew, his car flew into the canyon and it blew up and you know what I'd do? I'd go, ha, 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 that's awesome. That's one less pedophile. Be careful. They're doing it to us. Hang on. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. What I've been trying to explain to people. When, when Bill Barr says, well, well we're not going to appoint a special counsel. Understand this. I said it earlier in the show, and you can catch the whole show on iHeart, Google, Spotify, on iTunes. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a review talking about our, how handsome I am. And also remember, Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesdays, Ask Dr. Jesse. They think you're evil. Remember that. That's all.
Jesse Kelly Show. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE. Or go to timesharejesse.com, Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.